Okay, good. Well, we're still in our series called What's On Your Mind, and uh, I don't know about you, but it has really forced me to take a look at some things in me, and uh, you know, there's something to be said about paying attention and thinking about what you're thinking about. And I want to deal with that today just a little more. We're taking a whole nother step. I think, uh, I think I'm going to try to start winding this thing down. Uh, my plan was to get into some other parts of this, but the Lord has really kind of tapered it into a few things. So let's, let's deal with those things and just do what he said, right? Isn't that the smartest thing to do is just do what he said? You know, around Christmas time, and I didn't realize this, but I was looking at the statistics, and around Christmas time, I do know this is real, but even into the first of the year, there's what is called the sad season. Has anybody ever heard of the sad season? It's the SAD season. I'm going to tell you what that means. It means the season, it's a seasonal affective disorder, which means that you struggle with various kinds of depressions, issues, problems. Last year may not have gone like you wanted it to go. All these different things. And, and you, just feel, you just feel down. You feel heavy. Anybody know what that's like? You just... Man, I just, just why? And, and honestly, this week has been, last couple of weeks actually has been, I've had uh, a lot of things hit me from a lot of different directions. Um, not that I'm complaining. I mean, this is what I'm designed to do. But, but there are those moments uh, to where you just have to get real with the Lord. And I actually text out everybody Friday morning uh, to all the people that come and pray on, on Friday uh, every day. But Friday morning on the way in, I text everybody. I said, look, give me the sanctuary. I'm fixing to get down and dirty with Jesus. And, uh, and I don't need anybody here because I talk real, praise the Lord. I talk, when I talk to the Lord, I talk straight. And, uh, and I tell him what I'm tired of, and he tells me what he's tired of, and usually I have to adjust. So <laughs> that's just kind of how that works. Um, but there are times when you just got to get real. You just, you just got to stand up and say, I don't understand. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why I feel like this. I don't know why. And, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today because, you know, there comes a point when you have to just choose joy. You do understand that joy is not something that happens. Happiness is something that happens. Happiness call, it has to have a cause. It has to have a reaction. Happiness means that somebody has bought you something. Somebody has given you a compliment. It's made you happy. Somebody's blessed you with something. Somebody's called you and told you, hey, you look nice at work today. Of course, you've got to be careful doing that today. Praise the Lord. You get sued. But the truth is that somebody has to do something to make you feel happy. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a decision. We were, uh, you know, my wife, you know, I'm, I've been married a long time. And, and the truth is, is we've learned to balance each other out over the years. And uh, for the longest time, we were two hot messes together. But now we've learned to just kind of to balance each other out. And she knows we were having some sound issues before service that, that weren't there Thursday night. And, you know, it seems like everything creeps up on Sunday, you know, just like the devil. But I was, I was just like super frustrated. And she comes, she goes, first, what do y'all think her first statement was? Who knows? You need a protein drink? <laughs> that's, that's her first one. And the second one is, just remember where you came from. Because if just not, just not too many years ago, we were still in the storefront with just five or six people. And most of those were my kids. And, and wondering if we were going to be able to keep the lights on. So when you put perspective in, it's easy to get joy. See, because perspective is your reality. There can be what really happened, and then your perspective of that. Now, let me just, go, let me just tell all y'all something. Your own individual perspective is your truth. Whether it is the truth or not, if you've ever been in a court and listened to three or four people testify about the same thing from different perspectives, it will mess your mind up. 
I messed up one time, and, and I, I, I learned from this. I learned in the old building uh, when we were still real small. I made the mistake of saying, you know, I want y'all to tell me what y'all got, got out of this message today. I want y'all to, everybody just kind of let me know. And I got some of the craziest answers back. And it wasn't nowhere near what I'd preached on. And I felt horrible. And, and they, they think, you know, they're all blessed and wonderful. And I'm like, they were listening to their iPod. They weren't listening to me preaching. And that messed me up because I started thinking, do they even listen? See, then my perspective started to change. And then there comes that point where you just have to obey and do what he's called you to do and let seeds fall where they fall. And that's where you are in life. That's where we all are in life. And, and that's what this series is about. It's, it's, it's about how to deal with how you feel. Most people don't know how to deal with how they feel. Most people, if you get a feeling, you run with it rather than deal with it. Uh, my God, teachers can't even deal with stuff in school today because of feelings. Pastors can't even deal with stuff because of feelings. Of course, I don't have that problem. I only got one feeling left, and it's okay. I don't I'll let it get hurt often. I, I mean, you, you just can't. You, you, you just can't confront things. Like when I remember when I was a kid, well, y'all might not, y'all probably didn't grow up like I grew up. So I grew up that if mom and daddy had to get called to the school, I done got beat three times before they got there. And then mom and daddy go, why didn't y'all beat him more? And then I get home and mom and daddy beat me. And you know what that did? Alan didn't do it again. Right? See, half y'all be like, oh, my kids. Well, some of y'all need to whip your kids. i just just, just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Some of y'all, listen, I see these kids running around, I'm sorry, my wife's looking at me like that. Now, I ain't talking about abuse them, I'm talking about correct them. Because I see these kids with these perspectives running around town and Walmart and acting a fool in places that the mama legs them act like. Oh, I got a bit on my notes. So I'm fixing, April told me last week, she said, you didn't even preach last week, you just ran it and everybody clapped. That's all you did. <laughs> so I can't get on that. But it's the truth. It, it is a perspective. Now, I do understand this. Now, I, I've been around people who have been severely abused by their parents, so they don't discipline their kids. And they have a valid reason for it. However, they're creating a world for that kid that's unfair. Oh, see, so y'all scared amen now. Because the truth is, everybody's got boundaries. Everybody's got somebody to answer to, whether you think you do or not. Everybody's got something to deal with. And, and, and that kid in Walmart that, that, that keeps berating their mom for this toy and then finally after 17 times they give in and give it to them, they're creating a perspective that if I just push a little further. See, it amazes me that the world can have that tenacity, but we don't. As Christians, we don't go before the throne of grace and, and th we throw it out there once or twice and then we just leave it. We don't ask God why. What adjustments do we need to make? What is it with me, Lord? Because I promise you if there's something wrong in your life, it's not God's fault. I can guarantee you that. So from the perspective of the word, you have to understand that you have to choose joy even when you don't feel like choosing joy. It's not a feeling. It's not something you can just decide to do. Now, we're going to choose joy in spite of our sadness, in spite of, in spite of our depression. Uh, so let's look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Now, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. They're going to have the King James up on the screen. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and 1. Now, we call Hebrews the, the book of faith. Hebrews 12 and 1 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded with such a huge crowd of witnesses, the King James says such a great cloud of witnesses, um, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. The Bible says every heavy weight and sin that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily besets us or trips us up. <clears throat> 
Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now stop right there. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now that's, that's what this says. Now, so great a cloud of witnesses, verse 2. Let's, let's, let's move through. Are we locked up back there? There we go. All right. Look unto Jesus, and he endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, <clears throat> the reason that it's dealt with from a shameful perspective is we deal with it as if he was broken to go to the cross. Uh, he was sad to get there. Great drops of blood. This picture was painted. But when you look at it from Hebrews, which is the faith side of things, is that he was able to put all that aside and count it all joy to get there to bring you back to him. He decided it wasn't going to be easy. We knew that. He knew that. It wasn't going to be fun. It was certainly going to be painful. There was no way that he could not, not go through that. But he found it joyful. Now, how odd is it that Jesus would find it joyful, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy of what? The joy of knowing that you're coming back to him. The joy of knowing that you would have the opportunity to talk like him, walk like him, act like him, speak like him, be the word made flesh like him, that you could say it and it would become. Because what you say through your perspective is the life that you lead. So now, here's the thing. God's eternal plan for his children is absolute joy forever. Now, that's not happiness. Y'all do understand that. You were given emotions to enjoy, not to be ruled by. Now, everybody gets angry, upset, and says things. Everybody. I know some of y'all are perfect, but I ain't there yet. Everybody gets angry and says stuff. Everybody, but it's when your pride gets involved and you can't apologize for the things that you say. It's when you're not quick to repent. It's when you're not quick to recognize. It's, it's when you live this life from a skewed perspective of something has to happen to make me joyful, which is a false way of thinking. You're joyful even though all hell is breaking loose in your life. There was a time, I told you all this last week when, when I was in uh, training in ministry, uh, when Hannah was in one hospital and, and Aaron was in another hospital and we had got a little side, me and the leadership got a little sideways and I had to make a decision and I made that decision. That decision was my family and it cost me my position in the church and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that and, and I'm not angry about that nor was I angry at the time. I was upset but I was still joyful. See, this is what I want you to hear today if you don't hear anything else. The reason I could still be joyful even though I might have been upset, is because I was just two years removed from being a drug addict. I could still remember laying my head in her lap and her having to lift my head up for me to breathe. She was wondering if I was going to make it through the night. She don't like to talk about that. She'll tear up. She'll start, she, she'll, she'll get upset because she remembers I almost died in her lap multiple times just from being doped up. See, I could still remember I can remember the pull, I can remember the draw, I can remember the hurt, I can remember the pain, I can remember all that. But I also remember the night that he set me free. And I understood for the first time in the middle of that entire, because up until that point, my life had been pretty good. Got saved, moved into ministry, got promoted, was moving up, was allowed to preach. Man, God was just opening up doors and boom, I got hit in the face by the people I trusted the most. 
and I did not let it affect my joy. Now, April, on the other hand, said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> she told y'all last week she sat there like that till the Lord dealt with her because she was watching somebody she loved be hurt, and that affected her joy. But she, and she says now, she'll tell you she has that revelation now that you don't let anything infect. But back then, that was just church teaching. We didn't know that stuff. We just, we just went with our emotions. Praise the Lord. But I understood where the text says, a peace that passes all understanding. That's a weird place to be, I'll be honest with you. It's a weird place to be when you're standing in a hard situation uh, uh, dealing with maybe the loss of a loved one or, 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 or a very discouraging time in your life. Maybe, maybe everything in your life is falling apart financially or the people around you just don't care about you like that or, or you just want to get out of it. It's very hard to realize that there is a place where in the midst of all that you can still just smile and know he's got you. Y'all listen to me. Hey, listen, holy, 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 holy church people. It ain't got to be perfect all the time for you to be happy. He makes me happy. Yeah, that's a happening. He makes me happy. See, it's joy that keeps me understanding that he makes me happy. She, I love my wife. I love this woman. I can't even, I, I cut up with her and I drive her crazy. But I can't describe how much I love her. I can't. However, she doesn't complete me. Amen. He did. And as long as I stay joyful in him, She's a much happier person. It's when I'm not joyful in him that she pulls me to the side or drags me to a we, You know, she likes to drag me into our master bathroom because that's where, if they know we're in the master bathroom, don't be bothering them because they, 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 they dealing with stuff in there. Because she'll pull me in there and she's like, sit down. And I have to sit on the side of that tub. Now, she's talking to me like I'm a puppy. And yet, some of y'all know how well that works. But for some reason, she can pull it off. And I just sit down after I argue with her for about 20 minutes. But I finally just sit. And I know I'm going to sit. Hey, fellas, we know we're going to sit down. We just have to argue. So I just argue with her for a while. And then I finally sit down. And she'll just lay my head on her. She'll just lay my head on her chest. And she'll just start praying real soft. Five minutes. I mean, not nothing. Nothing that busts the windows out. You know, not, not a Pentecostal hoedown. Not one of them things. Not a huckabuck. We ain't got enough room in there. We'll break some. But it's just, just soft, sweet, no matter what, he's got us. And joy comes back in. See, when you understand joy, all this other stuff becomes trivial. When you really understand what joy is, you really, really, really. See, when it comes to, to, to all, you know, everybody dating somebody new or, or all my kids when they're dating, I talk to all of them, I talk, not even my kids, everybody, and I tell them, and all, everybody I tell you, I tell them the same thing. It's not, are you the one for them as far as are they the one for me? It's, are you looking at yourself through a magnifying glass and saying, am I the one he created? See, if I'm the one he created, then I'm good enough. See, that takes time. Because you have to stop thinking of yourself in terms of the way other people have spoke about you. And you have to realize what he says about you. And he says that you're the head and not the tail. He says you're above and not beneath. He says that he wants to pour out all blessings on you. And he says this, in, a, in, in the middle of a crowd and a cloud of witnesses, he encourages you to strip off every weight that slows you down and sin. Now stop right there. Every weight and sin. I think that's, let's go back to verse 1. Let me show you. Yeah. He's saying in, in, all right, let me, let me paint this picture. 
It's as if everybody that's ever been in the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Apostle Paul, Peter, you name it, they're all in the balcony looking at you. And he's saying, in the midst of these people, they're cheering you on, number one. Number one, they laid a foundation to give you everything you need for you to win. They're looking at you, and in the middle of this great cloud of witnesses, they're giving you encouragement to lay aside every heavy weight and sin. Notice the two different things. Every heavy weight and sin. So there are some things that's weighing you down that's not even considered sin in the Bible. Those things are called like maybe your own attitude. Uh, maybe your wrong perspective. Maybe your judgment against somebody that you, you, you need to go ask for forgiveness for. Maybe you're holding something in your heart that, that you may not have sinned. Somebody may not have sinned against you. You just have some alt there. And you're just going to run your mouth about them. Now that becomes sin. Oh, yeah. Oh, quiet. <laughs> quiet. So let, let, let me explain something to you. You can experience internal joy here and now. And here's how it works. The world system, the world system works like this. It creates conditions. And these are what we tell ourselves. I can be happy if I had enough things or if I had enough money. I can be happy if I was, if I, my friend, if I was popular enough or if I, if I just did a tank. Man, if, if I just caught that pass in high school. You know, those kind of things that we just hang on to. Those things run in our brain like, like you know, it, it's just one of those deals that you can be happy if you, if you experience enough physical affection. Um, you know, what you're doing is you're giving this world an opportunity to find who you are and not him. See, if, if you can, if you're thinking, if I just had money, if I just had money, I'd be happy. Once you attain a certain level of wealth or stability or whatever it is, you can't go back because, see, you, you, you put yourself in a situation that you've got to have that to live. And, see, it's the mindset that makes you think, I have to live this way to be happy, that you have to break because you're giving those things charge over your life. This is why when we talk about addiction, I'm not just talking about drugs. People can be addicted to their own anger. People can be addicted to their own attitude. People can be addicted to their own ability to be right. Hi, I'm Alan, and I'm an alcoholic on the ability to be right. I get it. But the truth is, those things were never meant to mold us. They were never meant to decide our joy. They were never meant to decide whether we could live this life peacefully. They were meant to do one thing and one thing only, and that was navigate us through whatever situation it was. Let's go to verse 2 real quick. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Stop. If, the, if faith has been finished, you're not trying to develop something that hasn't already been developed. You're just trying to learn how to use it. See, in aviation training, my body does not normally turn at a 60 degree angle at 120 miles an hour and pull my liver into my spine. But when you get in a plane and you feel that, it doesn't feel right. So you have to get out of your own head and how you feel and submit to the maneuver so you're not fighting against the airplane because here's what's happening. If you're in a 60 degree, aviation 101, here we go. If you're in a 60 degree turn 
and you feel weird, so you want to get out of that turn, and you put and you use wrong rudder because of the way you feel, you spin back, you lose a wing, you die. It is just that simple in aviation. Because once the wing's gone, you can't land. I mean, if you lose an engine, you can land. But if the wing's gone, you're gone. You might as well just get your phone out. You got about five minutes. And while you're spinning in circles and going down, just call somebody. Because it's over for you. But when you submit to the maneuver, you become one with that aircraft, which is exactly what this means. When you submit to how faith works, which means you listen to him as he talks to you about what he's talking to you about, you have the right to say, Lord, you're the author of this and you're the finisher of this. What do I need to do to walk this out? And he begins to talk to you. And all you have to do is the things he said. Isn't that easy? The people get in trouble when they start trying to, see, it's just like in any job situation or it's just like any situation in church or anything like that. People get themselves in trouble when they assume too much, when they think they have too much authority and when they throw things around when they really just need to be quiet about it. Same thing on a job. You, you try to take over a job and be, a, be, you know, well, we need to do it this way because I know more. Unless you pay in the bills, be quiet because you, you're taking on responsibility that's not yours. Same thing with faith. You don't go to God and say, just like they did in the boat, Lord, don't you even care? You, although you can do that, you go to him and say, what do we need to do to fix this? Just like Friday when I called everybody and I said, I, I need the sanctuary to myself. That's when, that was my time to come in here and say, Lord, obviously I brought some things on to myself and I don't know how I've done it. There's some funk here. There's some oppression here. How do I deal with this? And I spend an hour in here praying in the Holy Ghost, letting the Lord talk to me about that. And, and begins to open up my eyes to some things that I was around. And I didn't do anything wrong. I was just around certain things and people. And I didn't guard my heart. There's a key there. I, I just kind of went in and laughing and cutting up and enjoying. And I didn't guard myself. Because what's inside of you that is the most valuable thing is your heart. And if you don't guard your heart, things will begin to infiltrate it. And things will begin to attach to it. And things will begin to try to make you think ways that you don't need to think. And then you begin, all of a sudden, if you're thinking it, it starts rolling out of that mouth. And you have that verbal thing that's going on that you, you, you really just need to bridle up and be quiet. Listen, there's a lot of people I ain't got nothing good to say about, but I just don't say nothing. I used to run my mouth about people all the time. And I started seeing that come back into my life. Now, we're talking about years ago. But I used to be the most negative person when you walked into the old church and I'd have a private meeting, I would say things. And, and I thought, and then I started being around people like Matt Gober and, and people that would train me and, and, and I never heard them say things like that. And I thought, well, I'm kind of wrong. And it tasted bad. And I, did, I almost had to make myself say it because it was hard for me to admit that I was wrong about anything ever <laughs> even childbirth we had 10 kids by night by, by seven i was like this is what you got to do how dumb is that dumb. <laughs> she, she said dumb <laughs> and that is the truth though i i'd be sitting in there going look and i'd be looking at the monitor and she, she's hurting and i'm like that can't be hurting that contraction ain't it ain't near enough high enough yet <laughs> what i did that didn't i yeah. it's, it's ignorant just ignorant yeah. oh lord Somebody come get this shovel out of my hand. So anyway, sometimes we get a perspective we shouldn't have. Now listen, 
That's how the world deals with it. If you just have enough, if you have enough physical pleasure, if you have somebody doing this, if you have enough that. And, but, but see, you, move into, you get past that and you move into your flesh. And the flesh, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about your flesh. And when I say your flesh, I'm talking about your physical body and your mind. Your, your mind, your body will mess you up. You, you'll get over, you'll get into physical fatigue. And, and I deal with this a lot because I'm, I'm not smart enough to know when to slow down. I got great people in my life who would call me and go, you taking this week off? <laughs> and I say no. <laughs> but I, I, I tend to work myself into a place where I can't move for days. And, and I still think I'm 26 and I'm 46. And I'm, I'm doing things. Now, Cameron has finally stepped up and said, you're not getting on the ladder anymore. After I saw you fall, it's not happening anymore. But, but the truth is, we just get just downright ornery that we're going to do it our way. And we don't listen to things. And we don't listen to wisdom because we think we'll feel better if we just do it our way. Now, the, second, the third thing is, is your, return, uh, your enemy. We talked about the world. We just talked about the flesh now that your enemy. Satan is constantly constantly, constantly on the attack. Now, I want you all to understand. Everybody look right here. Y'all know me as a pastor that I'm not going, I don't preach demons. I deal with demons, but I don't preach demons because I don't give them voice. But the enemy is constantly on the attack. He's constantly accusing you of something. He's constantly, y'all, I haven't used drugs in over 25 years. And I have no desire to ever do anything like that again. But I'll be riding down the road and just hear, just hear in my head, yeah, I know what you used to be. Just trying to remind me of what I used to be. And the truth is, I've learned how to deal with that, and I laugh it off and, and just move on. It doesn't bother me. But when I was younger, I would get under condemnation. And I would say, I can't be called to pastor people. Oh, look what I used to be. But see, then all of a sudden, that great cloud of witnesses would cheer me on. And say, lay aside every heavy weight. See, that's a heavy weight. That's wrapped around my neck like a millstone. i got to get rid of that. Because that's not who I am. Nor was that who I was created to be. That might have been my behavior in a short season of my life. But it wasn't who I was. And God got in there and turned things around. And, and made things work. Now under that, let's look at John, uh, John 10, 10. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Juan, if you've got the Amplified version, put John 10 and 10 up in the Amplified, please. John 10 and 10, you all know this scripture. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. And I love the Amplified when it says this, to the full till it overflows. Now, I'm going I'm to just kind of be as real as I can without you know, getting too graphic. Life more abundantly is not personal physical affection. It's not somebody affirming you. It's not um, if somebody just loves you enough, they show you the kind of affection you want or give you the things that you want or do things for you. That's not life more abundantly. Life more abundantly means that you get to live a life looking at everything that you have knowing he gave it to you. And, and, and listen... And it might not be what the other guys got, but see, this is where the prosperity message has failed. I believe in prosperity, but this is where the message failed. The message, the message failed in saying everybody's supposed to be billionaires. That's not what prosperity is. Prosperity is having enough and plenty more 
to accomplish the goal that was given to you to accomplish. That's prosperity. And the numbers don't match for everybody. But the tools should. If you're called to do this, you should have what you need to go do it. I have learned in this building just to relax. I may be in here with guys building and actually physically doing stuff, but I'm not stressing over money like I used to. I'm not, I don't carry it in such a way that it, it's such a burden on me. But to the full, till it overflows. Now, I want to I say something to you, and I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to find a, a spot somewhere to end this, but you don't find joy by working your way into feeling it. Joy is something you've received from God, and this is what I want you to hear. You find joy by affirming truth, which means this. I told y'all the enemy would get in my head and say, well, you're just an old drug addict. You can't lead people. But the truth says, he whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So when I affirm that in my life, I'm joyful because I get to laugh. Because you're just talking. You see how it works? When something comes into your life that says you're never going to amount to anything, or somebody in your life tells you you can't do this, you're not that, you, I know who you were, but he created you. Affirming truth means he knows you better than they do. Affirming truth means that when he says you can in his eyes, you already have. Amen. See, when I, I'll stick with this aviation training. When I first started flying a plane, man, it was tight. <laughs> it's, you, your body's just not naturally used to flying an airplane. And John, my instructor, would say, who's the pilot? And me being me, I'm like, I hope, you, I hope it's you. Because if it's me, we're in trouble. And he corrected me. He said, no, 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 you're the pilot. And we'd get up in the air and we'd do things and he'd kill the engine and we'd start going sideways. And now as we're falling, John would say, who's the pilot? So now I have a responsibility to ride the plane, level the wings up, run the choke forward. There's all kinds of things you have to do, but it all becomes automatic because of your training. Although it's not natural, it becomes automatic. And then when it becomes automatic, it becomes something that's just an extension of who you are. Then you become whatever that plane's doing. It's an extension of you, not you being in it, fear for your life. Same thing with the Word. You don't come to Jesus because you're afraid of going to hell. You come to Jesus because you want to find yourself in Him. And you want to live this life that's overflowed to the full of joy and peace and love and kindness. Because, but you're tired of the hell you're living in. And everything may look great and wonderful. And you may fool everybody, but you don't fool him. And he's not judging you and hurting you. And he's not out to cause you any pain. But he's there with his arms wide open saying, if you'll just come. If you'll just learn what I say about you. I will affirm every truth in your life. Now Romans 15 says this. I'm, I'm trying. Y'all just hang with me. Romans 15 and 13, Romans 15 and 13 says, I pray, I pray that God, the source of your hope, that you will, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to read that in the, the King James. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What he's saying is if you will just listen and mold yourself to doing things his way, then peace 
has to reign in your life. Joy has to be a part of who you are. Now, John 16 and 24, you don't have to turn it, I'll read it real quick. John 16 and 24 says, ask anything in my name and you'll receive it and you will have abundant joy. Now that's the New Living Translation. Psalms uh, 16 and 11, this is the English Standard, says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is the fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. Now listen, there is one thing. Now I'm, we're going to get a little theological for just a second. Most Christians are seeking the hand of God. They want something from Him. They come to church to get their blessing. That's, and, and in the South, that's what we all say. I'm going to get my blessing. Hallelujah. You're not doing it right. Hashtag, you're not doing it right. That's one. <laughs> the truth is, you don't come here to get your blessing. You come here to be a part of what's going on. Every, part, every person. Do you know in worship, worship should be so strong the doors should rattle because you're releasing your portion. That, that praise should be all through the roof that, that, that we shouldn't even have to worry about the music. I'm not saying we don't need those things I'm, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. What I'm saying is, is you, church was never designed for you to come here because you need God this week. Church was, designed, church was supposed to be the reporting station where you come and say, let me tell you what he did last week. That's what this thing was supposed to be. But we've turned it into a whining station. You know why we don't have testimony services? Because you're not going to come up here and test and moan up here. Praise the Lord. Because he's too good for that. Now, when he does something for you, it's not because you're better than. It's because you found that spot. See, we seek his hand when we should be chasing his heart. You get the heart of God, you got everything. You get the heart of God and it messes you up. You, you grown man walking in Walmart crying because you all of a sudden saw the heart of God about somebody. When you get there, that changes your life. Because when you get there, it's really not about what you or what you need anymore. It's not about what you're mad about or who upsets you or, or why this is going south. It's really about how do you see this life and what, what is my part in it. And he loves you enough that he gave you such a major role, but you ain't realized it yet. Do you realize that he has given you the role? Listen to this. Now, y'all listen to what I'm about to say. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to pour out his blood to cover you, to give you the role of continuing what Jesus was doing. Think about that. See, we live life focused on things that we shouldn't be focused on. We live life struggling with things we shouldn't be struggling with. We, we live life wondering why when the answers are always, 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 just come to me and I'll talk to you. And I, I, I really want to say this, and, and not, I'm not trying to hurt feelings, but the majority of the people that want to sit down and talk with me, somewhere in there already know the answers. Anytime, especially when April, when April does pastoral care with somebody, it doesn't take a few minutes for her to dig to the heart of the root of the matter, and they already knew it. They just didn't want to admit it. We all know that God's called us to more, but the enemy has convinced us we're not worthy. And I want to tell you something without making you mad, you're not. But the blood of Jesus on you makes you all kind of worthy. It's not about your behavior. It's about the joy. Amen?